Welcome to the Grove Community Church Worship Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. Here's this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. I know a number of you in here and watching have been in the military, and when my brother went through Paris Island, there, there was a point in training where you had a live grenade practice, right? Do you remember this, Christian? Did you have this? Um, almost, as, almost as famous as the uh, gas, gas mask thing that you have to go through. Everybody knows about that, right? So, but the live grenade, they had a live grenade, pulled the pin, and they had to throw it, right? Now, there was a drill instructor that was back into, well, if you were right-handed, back into the right, if you were left-handed, back into the left of, of the person throwing. And the idea was pull the pin, rear back, and throw it the way they've taught you to throw it. And you've practiced this when you get to the live grenade toss a couple of times with, with a not live grenade, whatever that, however you say that, not live. What? Dummy. A dummy grenade. Thank you. All right, <laughs> dummy grenades. So, so anyway, he gets up there, and this guy in his, in his group, <clears throat> in his training, pulls the pin and rears back, live grenade, and drops it. The drill instructor was standing right there. People, plenty of people around that if it goes off, multiple people will, will, will die, but also multiple people will be maimed or injured. The idea with the grenade is to hurl it, to get it as far away from you as possible. Because if it's anywhere close to you, there's going to be collateral damage. Even if it's shrapnel embedded in your skin without being a major problem, there's collateral damage if you don't hurl that grenade far enough. If you don't throw it far enough and hard enough and in the right trajectory, there's problems for you and potentially for other people that you aren't trying to injure. Unforgiveness is like a grenade. It's like a live grenade. And when we let it fester, and we let it linger, it causes lots of damage. It destroys not only us, but those around us, those that are closest to us. And you have probably seen this in your life and in the lives of others. If there is someone that is harboring anger or guilt or unforgiveness towards someone, you see the damage that it does, right? It eats you up or the people around you up. Or if it's someone else that you're around that has unforgiveness and anger in their lives, you, you see it and you know it. And if we're honest, you probably don't want to be around that person, right? Unforgiveness is like that grenade that someone has dropped and just left there. What are you going to do? Today we're going to look at a passage in the Lord's Prayer, and it's one single verse. We've been walking through the Lord's Prayer as we've tried to learn what Jesus was teaching about prayer so that we can then apply it to our lives. And this is a central part of the prayer. It's not the most central part, but it is a central part of the prayer. All of this fits together. Now, I haven't mentioned this before now, 
But in the Lord's Prayer, there are couplets. That's part of the way uh, Jewish uh, poetry went. It came in couplets, so it was in pairs. So, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. The couplet that forgiveness goes with is what? Last week's sermon, daily bread. Now, why is that? Now, I, I could ask questions uh, to an empty room and I wouldn't get a response. But today, I want a response. Why do you think Jesus pairs, give us this day our daily bread with forgive us our debts? Not rhetorical. You can answer this. And it's okay. There's multiple answers. There's multiple layers. Why would he couple, forgive us, I mean, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts? Okay, maybe I am speaking to an empty room today. <laughs> okay, so part of it is we know that the bread refer, refers to himself as the living bread. And how do we get forgiveness? Through him. Okay, that's one of the reasons why it's coupled together. What else? Thanks for venturing that. I'm glad that you, you were, you know, okay in saying it out loud. Anybody else? Right, so as often as we need bread, we need forgiveness, right? So one addresses a physical need. The base physical need is food and water and oxygen, right? But food, water, and oxygen, the base need. And then what's our spiritual base need? Forgiveness. Does that make sense? So we've got lots of things that we could dive into. We just don't have time. But Jesus is the bread of life, and it's his, it's his life that offers forgiveness. The bread that we talked about last week is like God's provision, manna. Only God can provide forgiveness. Does this, you see why it's such a strong couplet here? It's, it's really powerful when you stop and you think about why he couples, give us this day our daily bread with forgive us our debts. And so verse 12 says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now there's a couple of things that I want to dive into here. A couple of words that I want to look at that are important for us to understand this passage. The first is debts. And then we'll come back to forgiveness. You would think well, I'd leave with forgiveness. But I'm going to lead with debts first here because I think this is important. The reason why we translate this word debts, does anybody else have a different translation? No? Okay. The reason why it's debts is because it actually is a, uh, from, from the world of business. This is a word from the world of business. And it is a debt that you owe. It's a price that you have to pay. So you've taken something. You've received a service. You've received a good. You owe somebody some money. And that thing that is owed is debt. Or it might be that you owe that person time. Right? You were a worker and you didn't fulfill your full time slot, so you owe that person the debt of time. But this word debt is very transactional. It is, this is what you owe me in a business standpoint, which is different than the word sin. Sin comes from the law arena. 
This comes from the business arena. I think it's interesting that Jesus uses this, and he uses it instead of the other verbiage that he could have used. And I think this is the reason why. Because in their culture, business was about justice. Now, how different is it in our culture? <laughs> business is about profit and loss, right? It's about net gain. Business is about providing. It's about providing a good, providing a service, making a difference in those ways. But in their, in their world, in their kind of uh, world framework, they thought of this business transaction as justice. It is just, if you pay me, it is just for me to work for you. It is just that if I get an item from you, that I pay for that item. That's a just thing. Because if I'm acting out of justice, then you get what you deserve, which is the meaning of justice. Justice means you get what you deserve, right? So in their world, the transactional world of business, it was an issue of justice. And if everybody is acting justly, then everybody's provided for, right? And then if you throw mercy in on top of justice, then not only is everybody getting the just thing, they're also getting things that they don't even deserve. So there's mercy involved too. So in their world framework, in their time, this, this word for debt was very much connected to justice. Are you treating people justly? So when he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, what he's asking is, please show me justice. Now, for justice to be met in their culture, one of two things had to happen, particularly in the business realm. One of two things had to happen. If you had a debt to someone, what were the two options? Again, not rhetorical. What are two options? If you... If, not in our culture, but in their culture, because there's more options in our culture. But really, it comes down to two options in their culture. If you owed someone a debt, how could that debt be justly uh, addressed? Pay it off or forgiven. Paid off or forgiven. Those were the only two options. There was no filing for bankruptcy. There was no uh, whatever else, taking a loan out with the bank so you could pay it off and then you owe someone else. I mean, there was, there was, not, that kind of, there was not that kind of development built around it. So it was, it was you either paid the debt off with your time or your money or with goods provided or it's forgiven. Does that make sense? So for justice to be met then a debt, something owed, had to be paid off or forgiven. So when we pray, forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors, we're praying, God, cancel our debt because we can't pay it. Cancel our debt because we can't pay it. And we want to live justly. We want to not have this debt hanging over our heads. And the only option is for us to pay it, God, or for you to forgive it. And we can't pay it. So would you please forgive it? Does that make sense? Now, if the prime desire in their culture is for everybody to experience justice, then the second half of this verse makes sense, doesn't it? So if my prime desire is for everyone to experience God's justice, if, if my desire is for everyone to live in this just account 
then I either have to pay off someone else's debt or forgive them of that debt myself. So what this prayer is really praying for is for justice. God, may all these debts be canceled, and if someone can't cancel it, pay it for them. If someone owes me something, and this is spiritually speaking now, I know it's using the language of, I know it's using the language of, of, of commerce, but if someone has done something against me and they can't repay it for me, or they even don't realize that they've done it to me, if they've hurt me in the past and probably don't even remember it, the only way they can pay that debt is for me to forgive it. Does that make sense? So in this prayer, it's not saying what some people take, God, forgive me as and only if I forgive other people. This prayer is actually a prayer for God's grace and his justice, his mercy to be met out, not just for us, but then for us to turn around and be instruments of his mercy and justice to others. As one commentator put it, prayer is necessarily active. Not the act of praying out loud or praying in your mind, but prayer necessitates our action in response. If we're going to go to God in prayer, it's going, to, it's going to make itself known in our lives. We can't just throw things out there in prayer and then just ignore the response that we have to that prayer. So if we pray, God, forgive us, then we also have to be willing to forgive. If we want God's justice, not just for us, but really for the world, then we have to be willing to act justly and forgive people their debts. And so this prayer is a prayer, make me like Jesus. Help me to not be um, burdened with this grenade, this hand grenade, live hand grenade of unforgiveness. Because what does a live hand grenade do when it drops? It explodes, and it destroys, and it maims. And that's not what God wants for any of us. It's not what he wants for you. It's not what he wants for me. And so when we pray this prayer in the Lord's Prayer, this one sentence, and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, we're saying, God, bring your justice. Cancel my debt and help me to cancel the debt of other people. And let this be an ongoing interaction. Lord, may your justice cover. So if that covers debts, then we have to talk about this word forgive. This word forgive, a fee, a me, a fee a me. So you can use that, drop that some, sometime this week. If you want to, a little knowledge on someone, they'll be like, oh, wow, you're a Greek scholar. A fee a me. It means to forgive, to let go, but here's what's funny. It also means to hurl, as in hurl a missile. Like a grenade, you want to throw it as far as you can away. A fee me says, Lord, Take my sin, take what I owe you, and throw it as far away from me as possible. As far as the east is from the west, right? Endless. Remove it completely. 
It means to let go, which harkens back to the Day of Atonement. What happened on the Day of Atonement? Does anybody know in Jewish culture? They would bring in a goat. And what would they do with the goat? We have a saying from this. There was a goat that they would pin the sins on, and then what would they do with the goat? Send it out to the wilderness. They would let it go, and what was that goat called? The scapegoat. So they would take a goat, and they would send it off on the Day of Atonement. It goes, there goes your sin. <laughs> right? Which is a pretty cool... Have you ever watched a goat run? I know, I know some of you have, right? I mean, it's sporadic. It's like, it's all over. Y'all had goats too, didn't you, right, at one point? I mean, they're just, and if you let one go, they, and they're, they're not, they, they'll just keep going. If you're not fenced in, good luck. In Jamaica, if you've ever been to Jamaica, you'll come around a corner and there goes a goat. Where's that goat going? Who knows? And then you'd see someone chasing it, trying to make curry goat, I guess. <laughs> and so this idea of forgive, to let go, to send away, to remove, to hurl. So when we pray this, we're saying, God, hurl this as far away from me as possible because I know it's destructive. Lord, let this release and let it run and keep running and have a happy life as it leaps over the edge of the Kidron Valley over there and dies, and I don't have to worry about it anymore. To forgive means to let go, to hurl, to cast away. And so when we pray, Lord, forgive us our debts, we're saying, Lord, forgive us. Hurl our wrongness away. Hurl the thing that we can't pay. This debt that we cannot pay. Hurl it away from us and forgive us of it. But as you do that, I also want to be, want to be an instrument of hurling things. So help me hurl the grenades in my life, the forgiveness I have or the unforgiveness I have towards others. Let me pull the pin and hurl it as far away from me as possible. Because what does unforgiveness do to us? It destroys us. And as it destroys us, we destroy the people around us. And there's nothing just about that. We live in a culture with the wrong idea of fairness. Most people's idea of fairness is that just make everything even. Everything the same. It's the kid saying, that's not fair. He got a bigger half. That's not fair. They got this. That's our idea of fairness. But that's not what justice is. Justice is when a debt is either paid or canceled. That's fairness. So let's be a people of fairness that go about the work of paying and canceling debts. Let's be just. Let's take the unforgiveness that we might have, pull the pin and throw it as far away as we can. Guys, I don't know if there's someone in your life, if there's anger or, or, or bitterness or unforgiveness that you've harbored, but you've got to 
throw it away. You got to let it go. You got to release it and send it as far away as possible. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, that's what we're praying. And we're praying that not only in our lives, but in the lives of all around us. We're praying for God to do that in the world. It's a powerful prayer. And guys, think about this. When are we most like Jesus? When does the world see Jesus in us? When we serve and when we forgive. We are never more like Jesus than when we forgive. When we cancel someone's debt. And so, we prayed in this prayer earlier, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And guess what part of that is? It means that we ask for God's canceling of our debts and we cancel other debts. So if we're going to pray the first part of this prayer for God's kingdom to come, then we have to be active in making sure that that's lived out. And the way that the kingdom comes in us sometimes, not always, but sometimes, is when we forgive, when we pull the pin and when we hurl unforgiveness as far away from us as possible. When we do that, the kingdom is at work in us and in this world. And it is a powerful witness to those around us. Guys, and doesn't our world need that kind of witness right now? Oh my gosh. If you don't think anger and bitterness is a problem, get on Twitter. But don't. If you don't think anger and bitterness is a problem in our world, just peruse the different articles posted on Facebook. It's a problem. And then you have angry and bitter people and what the world needs is less anger and bitter and more like chill dude and let's just hurl it and let it go now having said that before we get to the closing I must say this some of you are walking around with anger and unforgiveness because something that was done to you was horrific. Words can't even explain. And I know that. I know that there are people, even in this congregation, that have been abused sexually, that have been abused physically. I know people in this congregation that have lived through hell because of the way someone was treated them. I mean, and when I use that word, I don't mean it like, uh, I don't use it Lightly, H-E-L-L literally means the evilness in this world bringing itself to bear in someone's life. I know that there are some of you that have lived through that. I get it. And I'm not asking you to just kind of, oh, it's okay. But to forgive means to begin to process. And it might mean that you need to talk to someone. Forgiveness doesn't mean you're going to just let that person back in your boat either, right? We've said that before. I heard a guy tell me that before. He said, yeah, I'm going to forgive someone, but that doesn't mean I'm going to let them in my boat, right? I'm not asking you to forgive and then just be all nice with someone who's going to abuse you again. That's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is about bringing justice and hurling that stuff as far away from you as possible. And sometimes as you hurl that unforgiveness, you need to hurl that person too. <laughs> right? You get what I'm saying here? And boundaries. So for those of you that are struggling with unforgiveness over a horrendous thing, it takes time. 
What I'm asking of you is that you give it the effort and that you give it the time. Before they went to live action grenades, they were trained. And you would think it would be an unnecessary training, but they were trained that if you pull the pin and you rear back and you drop their grenade, do you remember what they told you to do? Do you remember? It's probably been a long time ago. Right. Okay. So in one of my brother's trainings, they had told them, if you drop it, the drill instructor's behind you, you fall forward and away. You get out of the way. So the guy pulls back, drops a grenade, freezes. They start yelling. The guy finally clicks in and dives, and the drill instructor picks it up and hurls it and explodes. And there is a concussion, there is the waves that come from it, but no one's injured. Please hear this analogy is so limited. That Jesus is your drill instructor. He's got your back. And if there's a grenade that's about to go off in your life of unforgiveness, and you can't do anything with it, and you're frozen, let him take it for you and hurl it. I hope this message was meaningful and powerful to you. But I also hope that it was challenging. And as always, don't just hear it, put it into action. Until next week, have a great one.